What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Frame Skip Podcast. This is the final episode of our sequel trilogy recap of Star Wars. I am joined with me by the voice of the Peach State himself. It is uh, Austin. It is the Peach State, right? Yes. On behalf of all Georgians, it is the Peach State. And you know what, Seth? You know what's interesting? We're not even the state that grows the most peaches. That's ridiculous. I think you need to step it up. (laughs) Fight for your honor. If we need to grow more, you know, it's just we don't grow enough, I would say. Yeah. You see, uh, Pennsylvania is the Keystone State, and I don't know what that means. So it is is it the Keystone of the United States? I don't think so. (laughs) So I'm not really sure. I think a lot of building material was harvested in Pennsylvania. Like, didn't all the... All the rock that was used in building the Empire State Building come from Pennsylvania? I don't know. We do have a significant amount of, uh, like, mines that just pull out shale and, like, stuff like that, like rock. So, maybe. Was the rock rock born in Pennsylvania? Uh, No, the rock was born in the, uh, like, Hawaiian Islands? No? Samoa? Samoa, Samoa. He that's totally was, and in hindsight, what a stupid question to ask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because um, Samoan is like his whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... And, and, and then the other voice is the voice of Shortbox himself, George Bothas, the, the successful one, the, the chosen one, if you will. Oh, George, do you remember when The Rock left pro wrestling? to film the Scorpion King and got tattoos just for that movie and just rolled with it for the rest of his life. <laughs> yes, I what do. What a commitment. What a commitment. Also, you remember when he came back to wrestling and then left again to film the Tooth Fairy? Yes, yes. Dude, what a stellar movie. How cool is Dwayne The Rock Johnson at first off? I mean, to just do whatever you want, right? He's just like, yeah, I feel like wrestling again. So I'm just going to walk back in the WWE and become their champion. And, and they're all just like, absolutely, man. You're, you're the best we got. And he's like, yeah, I feel like making $20 billion. I'm just going to put out a crap movie about some natural disaster. I'm going to argue that he's taken a hit the past couple of years and is no longer as cool as he used to be. I was very turned off by the Black Adam stuff that he did. Where he, he, was, like, he was like in denial that, that movie was a failure. And he was like being very immature about it. I thought, yeah, I, I saw the first half hour. First half hour was fine. Was, Why didn't you see the rest, George? Because well, I started at one thirty in the morning, and I was like, I don't really want to fall asleep to this movie. I think I'll watch it tomorrow, and that was like four weeks ago. So I should get back mm-hmm. on that. Well, speaking of movies, we're talking tonight about a movie that never came to be. It was the original episode nine, written by Colin Trevorrow. Called and, and Derek defeat. and Derek Connolly and Derek Connolly. I did not pick that up. It I says it on apologies. the front of the script. Yeah, sure does. Um, before Derek we like first page, <laughs> before we really jump into the script, do you guys have like a, a history with with Colin Trevorrow? I think he's probably like the the better known of these two. I don't have a history of him. No, uh, enlighten us, George, if you if you could. All right, so Colin Trevorrow, I first heard of him because he was actually a working director and writer living in Vermont, and that's where I went to school when I was a film student in Vermont. 
And so he had a movie come out in 2012 called Safety Not Guaranteed. And that was my first exposure to this guy. And this movie was based off like a wanted ad in the newspaper where it was just like, hey, I have a time machine, must bring your own weapons, safety not guaranteed. Like it was like an actual thing that appeared in a newspaper. They bought the rights to it. And I think that movie's incredible. It stars Aubrey Plaza, stars Jake Johnson from New Girl. I think it is a very, very enjoyable movie. Very sweet. Oh, Mark Duplass is in it too, big indie guy. Um, and so then it seemed kind of weird when a couple years later to me, that <laughs> 2015, yeah, three years later, he jumped into Jurassic World which was, I think it eventually passed whatever Marvel movie came out that year to be like the highest grossing movie of the year. Yeah. And when I talked to him in 2012, he like came to my screenwriting class, did like a little Q&A. We were both walking the same direction after he was like walking downtown. I was going to my apartment and he asked for a cigarette because I started smoking one. And then we just sat there. And we just talked about the fight choreography and Batman Begins and what we thought it meant for Nolan's vision of the movie. Cause that's what dumb college kids want to talk about. Hell, that's what dumb 33 year old me kind of wants to talk about too. And then he told me like the movie projects he was like working on at the time. And like his passion project was a remake of this movie called flight of the navigator, which is a Disney movie about a kid who basically gets abducted by an alien spaceship. And then the kid has gone for five minutes, except that he's actually gone for like 20 years to everyone else. And I'm like, huh, like, I'm really looking forward to that. And then I see Colin Trevorrow directing Jurassic World. And then I hear he's attached to direct uh, and write a Star Wars movie. So I just can't believe that this dude with such strong indie roots kind of became like a blockbuster king out of out of nowhere. Say what you will about the Jurassic movies. I didn't see the last one. They, they at least are like competently made blockbusters. Yeah, they're the fun. They're yeah. fun. I have some questions about that world and why they keep doing this, but mm-hmm. you got to suspend your disbelief a little bit, I suppose. They're For making sure. they're making freaking dinosaurs on a freaking island, right? Yeah. Um. Now, George, since you had that experience, was this sort of like a surreal thing reading a Star Wars script written by this guy? It was, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to pretend I know this guy. Like I said, we've had two conversations over the course of like a 90 minute interaction. Uh. So I'm not going to pretend cool. to be close. It's incredibly cool. I'm not going to pretend to know the guy. I'm not going to pretend to know his, his politics, his preference, whatever. I just know that like we both thought that the camera work on Batman Begins was very intentional to uh, make it seem like, oh, yeah, this guy is like out of nowhere. That's why the fighting is so obscured, because like the people he was fighting had never seen anything like it. And we, the audience, in theory, had never seen anything like it either. And we we're like, yeah, that, that's that's why I thought they did. He's like, yeah, me too. I was like, sick. I'm a good film student. That's about where it starts and ends with my relationship with Colin Trevorrow. But it is fucking surreal to me that, like, I remember sitting in my internet cafe at, at campus doing work, and I'd be like, oh, God, I'm so bored. Checking out IGN and seeing, like, the rumor that he was, like, attached to direct this movie. Yeah, and and I, I imagine, like, I would be absolutely stoked if I, like, knew J.J. Abrams, or not knew him, but, like, had uh, a meeting with J.J. Abrams, and he was just some, like, indie dude, and then all of a sudden he was directing Star Wars. So I can imagine that was pretty sweet for you. Yeah, it was. Um, so in case, I don't remember if I said it or not, we are, this this week we read the uh, leaked script and went over some of the leaked concept art of episode nine that was originally supposed to be. And we, well, I originally started this sequel trilogy recap years ago to 
have like a discussion of the, of the sequel trilogy because I find it very interesting, very weird, and very annoyingly divisive where no one can just have an honest conversation about it. And I think so far we've done a very good job of going over this. And I feel like it would be a disservice to it to not talk about what could have been for episode nine in the original vision. Um, so I read this today. I think you guys read it in, in the, in the past few days, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and for people who don't know, um, apparently, uh, Colin Trevorrow and Daisy Ridley. Now this is all rumors, but this is, this is what I, I was reading. Colin Trevorrow and Daisy Ridley, met at some other event i forget for for what it was and daisy ridley asked him you know like what was going to be the overall fate of her character and colin trevorrow took her to the back because they were around a whole bunch of other people told her apparently she loved it brought tears to her eyes um but kathleen kennedy did not like it i guess is, is what i'm hearing now i think the the hate boner people have for kathleen kennedy is a little weird considering they 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 people like to pretend that she had nothing to do with the good parts of Star Wars that we've gotten recently mm-hmm. and she has everything to do with the bad parts and I think I think that's just um I think that's a little unintellectual how I would I would say that right like it's it's a little silly to think that she has nothing to do with like the Mandalorian or Ahsoka or anything like that like she's clearly still overseeing um but you but, love the bad but you love the bad batch though okay well yeah, well, I didn't like the Bad Batch. Well, I, I, I know, but I'm just saying in general. Like, oh, right, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and Andor. Rebels, right, and stuff like that, yeah. But I think we can all agree the sequel trilogy was a disaster. Um, but I don't know, just opening thoughts. I don't know how you guys feel. I read this script, and I was completely fucking flabbergasted that they threw this out and gave the... Um, Rise of Skywalker script that we got the go ahead because I think this is so cool and so well written and it feels like a natural progression of the previous two movies. It feels like all those things that we were waiting for were a payoff. Um, It feels I, I felt like it made the what I would what I would consider sandbagging that Ryan Johnson did to JJ Abrams worth it in the end. I, I think that Colin Trevorrow took that twist and worked with it in a way that was really cool and made sense. So um, just opening thoughts, George, how, how did, how did you feel about this? I cried like at least five times reading this. Script. I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was like beautiful. I thought it was yeah. really, really smart the way they did it. And I don't know if there's anything as visually interesting as what we got in Rise of Skywalker. Like, as, I don't love that movie, but, like, I think I said this on the last podcast we did. Like, the moments of that movie are great. Like, explaining that movie to someone, it's, like, easy to get hyped up for that movie. Like, just the shots of, like, Ray and Kylo, like, duking it out on the Death Star wreckage as, like, a tumultuous storm rises among. I'm like, that's just a that's just a fucking cool scene. Like, there, there's no two ways about it. Whether you appreciate what it does for the story or not, like, it just looks cool. And there were some moments. Granted, like, this is just a script. I think it was what 126 pages, something, yeah, something like there. that. Yeah, something like that. So that's just over two hours. So it's a little leaner than what we ended up getting from Rise of Skywalker. General rule for Hollywood is a minute a page, right? And so this one is. <laughs> 20 minutes, 25 minutes shorter than Rise of Skywalker. 
with just I think beautiful story beats that Seth like hit on the head. Like it just brings everything full circle and offers a, a payoff that we didn't quite get. And my favorite thing about it is, except for one scene that I think we're going to get into, there's no jerking around, like making you think something happened only to undo it literally 90 seconds later. You know, yeah. like there's no fake death of Chewbacca in this. I guess there kind of is. We can talk about that when we get there. But no, <laughs> I, I thought I just thought this move, movie script was beautiful from, from start to finish. Yeah. Austin, what about you? I loved it. I mean, I, I think as I mentioned and I'm we all kind of talked about on the episode eight and nine episodes that we've recorded over the past couple of weeks, you know, one one point I made and I don't know, I don't I don't want to speak on behalf of you guys, so I can't recall what you all said. But for me, I, I really felt that with episode nine, they should have just taken what they were dealt with with episode eight what Ryan Johnson provided and just continued and stuck the landing. I mean, at that point they were two episodes two two uh, long movies into this, this, this sequel trilogy. And instead of retconning everything like they did with episode nine, they should have just stuck the landing and, and took what they got and finished it. And that's not what they did, obviously. And this script, however, had this actually happened, had episode nine duel of the fates actually happened that is essentially what is what we are given here is a conclusion to what we received with seven and eight rather than these uh, clashing um, directors, you know, clashing scripts as we were provided, you know, in, in reality. And, you know, I do have a few issues with the script still. I, I still think there are a few weird things here and there, but like as a whole, this this sounds so badass and I, and I truly wish it had happened. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and I agree also. I, I have some issues with the uh the script here, but nothing that I feel is um completely breaking like we got in episode nine, um, the, the real episode nine. And I describe episode nine, the the rise of Skywalker, as like a fever dream, right? Like it's all kind of disjointed, it's a it's a complete mess, it that doesn't flow well. Um and this feels like Colin Trevorrow and Ryan Johnson sat down and they figured out a way forward. Um, and, and I really respect it. And, and I do wish that this was the version that we had gotten. Um, and I just, I have to wonder what it was that they looked at this and said, we can't go forward with it. You know, um, cause my assumption is they got scared off by the, the massive negative reception of the last Jedi. Um, and they were like, all right, we got to We got to do something. We got to retcon this, but I will say going into it, the rise of Skywalker did take some, um, inspiration from the script. I think. I, I oh think yeah. Trevorrow has a story by script, which means like, I, I forget the number, but that means like there's a, assignable percentage of the rise of skywalker that we got that belongs to this script that they took from this script so he did uh, i don't i don't know if it's like 15 percent. like there's some number i just don't remember what it is and so like there i think a lot of the moments in this script we see in rise of skywalker right it's yeah. just the it's, it's like see, yeah season to taste differently in uh yeah. in rise of skywalker than here it's like the rise of Skywalker's like, you know, 
you tried to put salt on your meal, but you didn't realize the salt lid was loose and you poured the whole thing on and you, you, you tried to salvage it. And it's Better just disgusting. Sh- sugar by accident, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just disgusting. So uh, we talked about this and how we were going to approach this, me and Austin, right before you, you came in, George. And Disney had a bad habit of striking down a, a lot of uh, videos that were going uh, line by line over this. So we were thought we would break this out into a more general um, section by section and kind of go over it that way. Is, is that cool with you? Very cool. Yeah. And by All the right, way, so- just for the listeners, I, I don't think legally that we could provide this script. So I would encourage you to just do some searching around online, find it and of course read it because it's, it's definitely worth a read. Yeah. And it only takes like I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours, maybe to read through it if you're slow if you've never read a skirt before it's really interesting it's really cool because it's not as dense as a book and it still makes you picture shit in your head like you're reading a book so yep if Mm -hmm. novels aren't your thing man do i recommend just checking out more scripts yeah and it was weird because i I felt like i was able to picture this in my head a lot more so than even if i was reading a book for some reason just the way it was written Um, yeah that's that that's how it's written like it's it's supposed to be like a like a bible right for Mm -hmm everyone and so like they take this and they cut it up and then they do storyboards right and that's like the the visual bible for like how the movie's supposed to look and then from there they like break it down into like the like the fashion team or whatever to figure out like the costumes and so like it is supposed to be incredibly visual like the most visual can be while being it the most sparse it can be at the same time so uh that being said let's let's jump right into it here the movie starts out with with the um opening crawl uh, that explains that the First Order has kind of taken over the whole galaxy and they are just completely shutting down any sort of unrest and rebellion. And they've, they've, come, they've cut contact between the systems so that these, these, they can't form together and, and create some sort of like new rebellion to, to rally against. Um, and I find that interesting because... They're, they're kind of looking back at, you know, what happened to the Empire and being like, well, that's not happening again. We're, we're shutting down any sort of rebellion. And the, the first part of this that we get is them ha- having an operation on a planet called Kuat. It's a, apparently like a, like a, it doesn't really say, does it say what they're mining? It's some sort of ore, I think. It's, right? a, it's, it's a shipyard, right? Like that's, yeah, that, that's like established uh, legends place yeah like i think so uh i think you're right about that yeah but yeah it does say some sort of shipyard that was the only place i i was a little not positive about based on the script i i had a hard time imagining kuat to be honest with you yeah um but when it when in doubt just imagine like rocky desert that seems to be a pretty good default for a lot of star wars locations right little little arid yeah yeah, it says an industrial plant located in the Kuat system of the galaxy and a Kuati people. Uh, it was a shipbuilding industrial planet. So I, they were they were mining something. They had a massive um, orbital ring outside the planet with star destroyers. And they were essentially had this like giant uh, sky lift that was taking ore and materials back and forth between the orbitals, or, orbital ring and the planet. And they uh, pretty much had a like, I want to say slave uh power were, over but it was they very were impressive they, they were slaves man come on yeah well they, they never outwardly say like 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 the whole like planet but um yeah i would agree that there it's, it's like a slave thing um they, they go out of their way 
in this to make sure that you understand that the first order is like very oppressive. They're, they're, they're pushing down on the citizens of the galaxy in, in a really brutal way. And in some of the scenes that they go over in, in this script are extremely graphic. Um, but what we get is an undercover operation with the three heroes, the, the well, I guess four heroes, Rose is included, but the, the main three of the, the trilogy here, Ro, uh, Rose is there. And then we got Ray, Finn and Poe and they are undercover. Um, and they're trying to essentially put bombs in the sky lift and blow up the orbital ring. I mean, at least it's how I interpreted it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the same way I, for me. I thought this was a really cool opening. They, they obviously, uh, their plan runs into some issues and Ray is there undercover as a Tuscan Raider, which I thought was really interesting. Loved um, it. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And she turns on her lightsaber and she's got a makeshift lightsaber from the separated halves that they, they blew apart in the last Jedi. And she modified her, uh, her classic staff to make a dual saber. And I think that is perfect. That's what we all wanted to see from Ray originally. Um, Dude, and it makes I, so much sense too. I, I know one of my big complaints last episode, it, and it's a small little thing, but it's like the end of Last Jedi, like they focus so much on this fight between Rey and Kylo Ren and the lightsaber splitting in half. And then the next movie, they're just like, oh, it's fine. Like, yeah, it's she, fixed. She some fixed it. Around it. No issues. Yeah. And so this, this like taking that split and then putting in a, a, a dual blade lightsaber, I mean, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It makes sense because she was already used to wielding a staff. Um, and I think that this was a natural progression of her character. I think it's perfect. I do wonder why they decided to stick with a single bladed lightsaber for her and, and uh, maybe just to keep the lineage of the, of the Skywalker lightsaber. I have no idea, but in the, in the concept art that, that they, that leaked, you see her running in the front, with the, the, the lightsaber and um, Poe and Finn behind her shooting out with a bunch of first order troopers. And I took in, I feel like they took inspiration from Luke Skywalker's episode six outfit because she's wearing like a very dark, um, like suit type thing that, that was under the Tusken Raider. That, that's the way I interpreted it anyway. I thought maybe they were trying to throw back to Luke Skywalker, but Early on, they established that there's a, a very awkward like um, relationship between Ray and Poe, and I thought this was a little bit of a weird setup. Although I understand it, yes, Oscar Isaac, beautiful human being. How could you not? You know, like that makes sure. sense. Yeah. Um, but it's and i understand because it fits very well within the isolated story of duel of the fates but it's not hinted at or like given any sort of pretext in the other two movies um so how do you guys feel about that i really didn't like it actually this is one of the few complaints i have with the script is actually that i i felt like this whole you know purported relationship that they try to set up with Poe and Ray feels extremely forced. And like you said, Seth, just out of nowhere. I mean, I want to say even last episode, we talked about how 
at least in the real episode nine that we received, Poe and Ray had not spoken on screen, at least until the start of that movie. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's still technically the case here for us because they still didn't speak in seven or eight, even with the script. So right. I, I didn't like that whatsoever. I, I thought it felt very forced in the script. And in fact, I think as a whole, what they should have done was just left her without a love interest. I don't think it's needed to be honest with you. Um, and I'd say that for the real episode nine too, I felt like the Kylo stuff was kind of forced as well. Personally, I, I dis- I think the entire movie hinges on her being in love with someone like the finale of the movie, like the entire Wait. point of, which one? Which which one? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Of the script. Of the script. Yeah, like, I think that I think that's critical to the story. I like that they like. I like that they act like this isn't the first time he's done this, though, right? Because I I think I brought this up that like one of my issues between episode seven and episode eight was that episode eight takes place thirty seconds after episode seven, right? And like every other Star Wars movie, there's been just kind of like a an assumption of like time passing. And like, I got that way more effectively here than I did in episode nine. That's they true. still have, they have like an established relationship in rise of Skywalker, but the way it is here, like it, it feels like a deeper relationship. Like they act like siblings in, in rise of Skywalker a little bit, right? Like it's a little bit yeah. like, Hey, don't take my fucking Walkman, you know, like the way she's like talking about the millennium Falcon to him. <laughs> yeah. And here yeah. it's just like, it's clear that like he's made his move before he's been shot down a, bunch and she's like dude you know the rules like like it seems like a an established thing and like i said like i think the entire third act hinges on this being believable and i i believe it personally that does yeah, so make do sense I. so i i believe it i just wish that there had been some sort of um, <laughs> setup in the previous movies at all which they talked in seven which they talked in eight that would have been neat. yeah yeah, if they had any sort of conversation whatsoever even if he um, was like hey what's up ray and that was all we got yeah. Um but I, I I do think that you're right George. Like I said in an isolated movie this this relationship makes a lot of sense and it's very believable and relatable too. I mean we've all been there, right? With with a relationship like that where it's just not quite off the ground and um there's always like some sort of barrier there. Um but Austin's married, what? still not off the ground, right? <laughs> That's right. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> But one thing that I think is really cool is this plane falls through. They end up in a giant firefight. They steal a Star Destroyer. And wow. <laughs> what a way to get the movie running, right? Like, the, the, they're not just like, like you know, stealing a small ship. They steal a Star Destroyer in the beginning of this movie. It just, just out of improvision. Um and I think that the whole idea of like BB-8 flying alongside them and jumping from ship to ship is like is like pretty cool because BB-8 was undercover on the orbital ring, and they're they're escaping and BB-8 actually jumps through space, um, through the what would you call them the the force field barriers, mm-hmm. in, into the into the the star destroyer right before they take yeah. off into hyperspace to go back to the to the rebel base and I think that's a really cool image of them you know arguing over the controls like. Hey, can you fly this? And and you know, pose like I can fly anything, which is like so perfect for his character. Um, and the one thing that I was confused about though was where are all the troopers? I mean, I always assumed a star destroyer held like 
20,000. 17,000, yeah. Uh, yeah. They said in the script that like they're all on leave. There's only the bridge yeah. crew behind. They, so weird. There's some line in there, like like George said, that's basically just like, yeah, they're they're all gone except for the bridge crew. I love the, <laughs> on, on this topic, though, I love the sequence where they all walk in and um, I think it's Poe is like, all right, take us to XYZ place. And... Ray's like, no, we're not doing that. She's like, she uses the force uh, <laughs> powers on him, and she's like, no, please take us here. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I looked it up, I was like, an eclipse, because they keep call, they kept calling it the eclipse, and it felt really familiar. And that's because like an eclipse star destroyer is like totally something from Legends, right? And it's like not quite as big as like the super star destroyer that Vader's got in Empire and, and Jedi, but it's almost as big and it has like that weird like front of a ship type thing where like it goes down it extends almost like a crescent moon mm-hmm. and so i guess that was like one thing i wasn't paying attention to because i'm pretty sure the ship in star wars battlefront 2 that iden versi i think that's called the eclipse but i can't remember so i always thought it was like a really small ship and then i looked it up i was like oh no this is this is a, a big beefy boy oh yeah <laughs> this is this is a, this is a this is a big deal it's so, oh, yeah. because yeah, because along with the star destroyer, they steal they steal all the weapons and artillery and you know uh, machinery that was stored in the star destroyer, sort of like an aircraft carrier, right? Mm-hmm. And they take that back to the rebel base. So it actually is um, kind of a huge deal that they just kind of improvised and, and stole stole a star destroyer, which I think is pretty cool. Um, On but, the size, by the way, they mentioned toward the end of the script. Where when they're in this this thing, they're like they've got the actual star destroyers coming after them, and I think it's Leia. There's some line where she's like, "Never, never have star destroyers like momentum seemed so fast before." So it's very evident that this one in particular is like massive compared to yeah. the other normal little star destroyers, I guess, quote unquote. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I thought I thought it was really cool. But someone at some point, I forget when, notices that she's a, it's, it's Rey, the Jedi. They literally say it's the last Jedi is with them. So they call um, the Knights of Ren, who finally make an appearance right in the, in the third movie. And their, their, their ship is called the Knife Nine. It says it's shaped like an arrowhead with adjustable wings. And they follow it back to the orbital ring. So I don't I guess all ships are sort of shaped like an arrowhead. So. I don't know, but um, the Knights of Ren come out. Uh, Hatoska, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Hatoska Ren, mm-hmm. uh, Laurel Ren, Jadic Ren. I think that, that is just three of them. I think, right? Yeah. Oh no, Ot Ren. Ot Ren is there as well. So um, I don't know that they ever named them at all in Rise of Skywalker, but essentially, they the uh, First Order has these Knights of Ren as like the specific ray hunting crew um and this leader hitoska ren is wielding the dark saber apparently <laughs> yeah i don't I'm know sure. where that came from <laughs> yeah i'm not sure how that came into play i think they were just gonna wing it with this movie and then figured out later how he got the dark saber um but very interesting i guess um now i don't i don't know that these are the actual knights of ren that we got in in, in Rise of Skywalker. I honestly don't no, they know enough they about named. what we got. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they were actually named in the Rise of Skywalker. I think they, this was the first time we were given them any sort of 
um, any sort of like names and, and identities, but they later are given like a, a backstory in the comics. Um, I think it, like that's it last week, literally called the Knights of Ren. So they're hunting Ray down. Um, and then we get what I think is really cool. A, uh, a scene on Coruscant, which we didn't get in the sequel trilogy. I don't think at all. Right. Maybe like uh, a half second, like in the special editions when the emperor died, you know, they showed yeah. Coruscant just people partying. Um, but they, they, they apparently go down to the lower levels of Coruscant, almost on like sort of like ground level. They say that they go down um, below like 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 decrepit architecture from the older public. So they, they go down very low on Coruscant and there's all kinds of um, rebellious activities down here. They got the first order with like like graffiti on it. Some kid throws a, a piece of concrete at a first order trooper and, and runs through the streets. Um, so a lot of unrest in the streets of Coruscant and this kid, um, we, we were introduced to a character named Dade, Dade, Dottie, Daddy. I don't know. <laughs> I, just thought, years I, old. Just, I just thought it was Dade, like Miami. That's Dade what I County. thought. <laughs> Dade, yeah. Um, it, he becomes a, a, a more important character later on, but He's he's a new character that is sort of like a rebellion, I don't know, agent on, on Coruscant. And um we get a, a scene of Chancellor Hux on a on a giant hologram beheading one of the aliens that we got in that uh orbital ring uh planet thing i'm, I'm kind of stumbling over my words we're in uncharted territory here i've never tried to go over a script before so i apologize well that's hard but, too because it's not like burned in our memory like it's it's harder to describe something yeah. you read than something you saw in my opinion so but i thought this was i thought this was pretty cool we have a, a literal guillotine set up here being yeah. <laughs> uh, displayed in coruscant on a massive hologram and um they, they make it pretty clear like they're not messing around here so I don't. Know. Do you guys have any opinions on on the on the Coruscant uh, decapitation thing? I thought it was pretty cool, and I thought as a whole the sequel trilogy could have really used a setting like Coruscant, such a familiar mm-hmm. setting. And you know, for those that have read and watched so much of the expanded Star Wars universe with the Clone Wars, and you know, <laughs> I was mentioned earlier this year that I was reading the. Um, the first canon Thrawn book from Timothy Zahn and a major portion of that book is set on Coruscant where they're talking about like the um, empire training facilities and like how the Jedi temple was the emperor's palace and all that stuff. And um, just really interesting stuff on Coruscant and it would have been a good connection point. I, I feel like as a, as a series to have aside from Tatooine, like a familiar, <laughs> a familiar planet that's spanned, you know, quite some time at this point. Right. My um, fav- my favorite part about the sorry to interrupt Seth, but like about doing it on Coruscant, not just that it's a familiar place that ties, you know, the prequels, the original and, and sequels together, but I think a big problem with the sequel trilogy is like you just don't see a lot of stakes. And that's not, like, as important in the original trilogy. I don't know why I, f- I feel that way. Probably because I just, you know, I've been seeing those movies since I was four years old, and it's hard for me to criticize them. But, 
like in episode seven, we see planets blow up from a distance and like that's horrible, but they're we're seeing people we don't know, we're seeing planets we don't know, and like someone pressed a button from across the galaxy and they died, you know? But like at least here we're seeing like how shitty it's gotten. Like it's like in the Lion King, right? When like Scar takes over Pride Rock yeah. and then like it takes two years to see it completely go to shit because he just throws everything out of out of balance or whatever. And so, like, you're actually seeing them be assholes. You're actually seeing why they're wrong. Like, in episode eight, they fought on, like, a, a salt planet, like, an abandoned mine. But it was, like, just them. We, like, we didn't see, like, no one else saw them fighting each other, right? And then in episode nine, kind of the same thing, where it's like, oh, they're going to fight on some planet that has no population. It's just evil people. It's just a fleet of ships, and it's, like, hidden in the galaxy or whatever. But, like, there's no one... There's no, like, righteous moment like there is in this movie script where, like, right. you actually see them stand up in a place that means something. So I, I appreciated the change of scenery here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I think the idea of a um, lightsaber guillotine is pretty cool. So the movie, it, it says light blade guillotine, but I feel like it's it's kind of implied that it's like a lightsaber blade that's going across um that slices this alien's head off i thought it was either something like that or like in i think it's episode eight they show like the axe things that have like the small little like kind of ionic things in in front of them i was thinking something like that was a possibility too yeah 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 um yeah you might be right about that actually um but then there's the scene of chancellor hux meeting i thought this was actually kind of a weird scene uh, someone named Lord Garalid, and he's sort of a underground crime boss. And he's essentially like expressing his Chancellor Hux, I guess now. Uh, Chancellor Hux running the, the whole First Order while Kylo Ren is out uh, seeking knowledge. And and this is like a, a reoccurring theme throughout the script is like Hux doubting himself and being very insecure um, of of his position and Kylo Ren. Um, in fact, there's several times throughout the script where he tr- just tries to use the force because I, th- I think he's feeling um, insecure that he can't use the force is, is my my take on it. Yeah. On how to describe it. <laughs> his character is great in the script. Um, so. There's a quote here from one of these bosses. It's Skywalker they believe in, not the law and his apprentice. This girl, this Jedi, she's become the symbol of hope. And this is another reoccurring theme throughout this script is that Ray has become like an unwilling symbol of hope. And so it's a massive amount of pressure that's crushing down on her shoulders because she doesn't believe in herself, but everyone else believes in her and and it's against her will right so this this becomes like a massive part of her character throughout this script that that she's just everyone's looking to her to fix the 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 galaxy and she doesn't kind she kind of doesn't want to right now she's she's dealing with a lot but then we transition to mustafar and i thought this scene was awesome of kylo ren breaking into Darth Vader's castle with Luke Skywalker, not just like talking to him, but almost taunting him in a way that's very Luke Skywalker ish to find this Sith holocron. Um, And it doesn't, it doesn't really say 
what he's looking for exactly. He just knows that he has these visions and he's looking for something. And in Darth Vader's castle, I think is is where he decided to start looking. Um, Luke Skywalker, it, it says in the script, is haunting his nephew like a spirit. Love um, it. <laughs> Luke says, this is where the dark path leaves an empty tomb. And Kylo says, where did your path leave? You're a ghost. Luke says, I know what you're searching for, Ben. Your master promised you strength, but you feel hollow. Kylo says, soon I'll be even more powerful than any Jedi, even you. And Luke says, are you sure? And I think that's so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Uh, I can just, you, you can kind of just picture uh, Luke Skywalker, just like following him around, just taunting him constantly. And I think, I think, that is something that I would have loved to see. Is that is that very Jedi? No, it's not. <laughs> but it's pretty uncle, though. That's pretty good. Yeah, it, 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 it's pretty uncle. And he actually says right there at the end, um, after Kylo swings his lightsaber at him, go home, Ben, go home to Leia. And it says it says that Kylo is shaken when he says that. So it's it's implied in this script, even though in this script, Kylo is a much more villainous character than he was in Rise of Skywalker, that he still has that connection to Leia. So I think that's important. It's especially important when it, when it comes towards the end. Um, on, on Luke, I'll just say that, one, he is so much more prominent in this movie than, than the actual episode nine. I mean, he even though he obviously died at the end of Last Jedi, is very much present throughout this movie, which, or the script rather, which is really fascinating to me. I, I think it's a nice spin. And on a second note, he feels more like Luke would feel to me. Yeah. Based off of the writing in his character here. Um, yeah. He, he shows up for Ray later on, and there are just moments throughout that really feel like, like Luke should. Yes. I, I would I would one hundred percent agree with that. Um, so apparently Kylo walks up to like this altar, and there's a Sith holocron on it. I guess probably from one one of Vader's last interactions in the castle. And Kylo Ren opens it up, and it's Emperor Palpatine. I think this would have been a really cool scene to see Emperor Palpatine saying, "Lord Vader, young Skywalker will soon be ours. I have foreseen it." But we must prepare for the unforeseen. Should he strike me down, you will take him to the Remicor system. There you will find Tor Valum, Master of the Sith, Lord who instructed me. Here, young Skywalker will acquire a great ability beyond what you could hope to command in your damaged state. With it, he will harness the untapped power of Mortis. At last, we will realize the destiny potential, and it blinks out and and like some there's some sort of attack to him, like scars his face really bad. Um, but. This explains the weird scene in episode six where Palpatine was like taunting Luke to strike him down, right? And it's like, yeah, sure, Vader was there, stopped it. But what if he wasn't? You know, <laughs> like, what if he wasn't that quick? Um, and I always thought that was kind of like an, like, a, like an odd scene. But I think this is pretty cool because it ties back into episode six. It ties back into that final battle of Palpatine like oh no he had a plan the whole time if Luke uh, struck him down so I think that would be pretty sweet I disagree I think that scene makes sense because it's one of those things where it's like if you kill me then I win because mm -hmm. you will have given into hate 
Um, so I, I disagree with that, but I always love the idea of just the Emperor having, you know, all these machinations. I think that's secretly, like, one of the coolest parts about uh, the comics, especially, like, the Darth Vader comics throughout the years. It's just we're always seeing Palpatine up to shit. And mm -hmm. I feel like he's just a fucking weird old guy in the movies. <laughs> you know, he's just just a real creeper dude. But in the comics, he's always spinning webs. And uh, it's cool to see him spinning one of those in the movies. Yeah. So my my thing with the, the, the strike me down scene is that Palpatine, because at this point in the movie, we didn't in the series, we didn't realize, I guess, that Palpatine had like a cloning thing going on. And it seems it's always seems weird to me that without that information, Palpatine would take the risk of dying, you, you know, because he's putting a lot of trust in Darth Vader is what I'm saying to, to defend him when Darth Vader clearly hates him, um, but can't can't escape can't escape his grasp. Now, the one thing I will say, though, that I dislike about this script is this Torvalum character. Um, yeah, doesn't fit doesn't make sense not a fan of, of torvalum because what is he's the master of the sith like what what happened to the rule of two um like what what is going on with with this torvalum but i guess we'll get, get more into that later this it says there's an invasive pulse of energy spreads over kylo ren's face like a cancer horrible raw purple veins streak through his skin well it did like a like a, a DNA test, right? Because it was coded for Vader, right? That was right. the interpretation I got. And so, like, it it started because he is a Skywalker, but then it was just like, you wait, you're you're not Darth Skywalker. Mm -hmm. you're, you're that other asshole. And then, uh, just, just fucking Isism, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it's it almost seems like a curse, like like a curse, like, yeah. like like a magical like D and D type curse that that like got into his face because. It's mentioned later that like it, it like spreads almost. Mm -hmm. So I'm not I'm not really sure what's going on there. But the next thing we get is um back on what what is that planet called? They're on. Oh. It doesn't it doesn't say. Oh, Korolev. That's what it is. Korolev. That's where the Risen's base is, and it's uh, Leia feeling Ben, and then. Um, the Star Destroyer coming, like landing down, and 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 them like, you know, explaining what happened, and um, kind of like saying like, hey, we failed, but we got like this massive boost in artillery and 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 you know, power for the for the rebellion, and this is where we get a lot of the angsty teen type romance i'm not i'm not disparaging it but this is where like we get a lot of like the exposition between ray and poe um where you know finn is finn is kind of comforting ray and then they they're, they're all having these I don't know, internal discussions about their their relationships um any 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 thoughts on this um, I don't know. I guess I find it pretty interesting. I know part of this too, when they bring back the Star Destroyer, isn't Leia like, well, now we've got to leave because you, yeah, because <laughs> you brought this thing here. 
Yeah, yeah. She, was, she was like straight up pissed, which I thought was which pretty is funny. a pretty good line. Yeah, I like that sequence. Yeah, um, and and I think that's that makes sense, right? Because like, oh no, we we didn't steal just like a small ship. We stole like a asteroid sized um, spaceship that that even if the, you take away like the trackers, they're gonna be able to find. So, um, then they they come up with this plan to reconnect the galaxy to kind of create like some some hope in, in a rebellion and ray opens uh, an ancient text from Ah 2 and sees that there was some sort of like mass relay system before the old republic um and sketches of the tower in the old jedi temple on coruscant light flowing from the spire into space a force beacon engineered to call out the outlying systems to war my thing is, how would they even know, right? Yeah, if it was so ancient, I was thinking that. I was like, if it was so ancient and it hasn't been used in who knows how long, how would some of these places even know what to do if it was activated? You know, there's a massive light shining out of our planet, <laughs> right? Like, But I will say this. This is, and I guess this is kind of spoilers for later on in the, in the uh, script if you haven't read it, but this is basically setting up what we did actually get at the end of episode nine, which is the a mass of all these ships and, you know, just everyone coming together to mm. fight the new order. And this sets it up so much better. I would say even with that confusing point with it being like, does that even make sense? At least there's a reason for them all coming together. Unlike in the real episode nine in which Lando just brings everyone somehow he suddenly just convinces right. like millions of people to show up and well we, it's never we, explained so we um we we discussed last week i mean he fucked his way through the galaxy that's, that's kind of that's, that's, <laughs> that's how he lie he united everybody um and then we get a pretty cool scene of ray uh training in the dojo and luke is training her from the afterlife which i think is pretty cool it actually doesn't give you much reason to believe that leia is training ray at all in this um no which makes sense because i think until episode nine it's not confirmed leia had any jedi training right she could use the force but i think it was episode nine that that gave her the jedi background they don't they don't show any like jedi training or her with a lightsaber until that flashback sequence in nine that's what i thought that's what i thought um yeah but but ray's got this um wooden bow stick I'm, I'm assuming something like a boton from from uh from from the description of it not like a bow staff although it could be that as well but anyway um she gets a uh trying to see here yeah she gets like a like a like a like a lecture from luke skywalker here where she's she's like you know, pain is an illusion. Just it isn't actually, which I think is is kind of funny. Um, and then she falters, sensing a disturbance. I don't, I don't know where I'm going here, guys. All good, all good, man. You're just working, um, working through the story. I think she has she has a force vision here. Is what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and she sees Kylo Ren activates his red lightsaber, facing off with Rey before the two thrones of of Mortis. Um, and she uh, this is a, a reoccurring vision that she's getting over and over again 
of, of Kylo Ren striking her down. Um, and she, she has this conversation with Luke about it. And Luke's Luke's confirms that, you know, she saw the future. And what I think about what, what I think is interesting about this is that Mortis has only been shown in the Clone Wars and like a very specific episode of the Clone Wars that had, uh, you know, a, a large impact on the overall story. But ninety nine point nine percent of the Star Wars fan base never saw that. And th- this is I thought was pretty cool that they're tying everything together in uh, Duel of the Fates with, with Mortis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, but, I love this tie in because Mortis, those, those, that arc in Clone Wars is, like you said, super impactful. And it's mm-hmm. interesting from a from a force perspective. It sets up a lot of really interesting lore behind the force and the Jedi and the Sith. And it just makes sense for them to pull in mortis like in this situation i mean it just the way it's presented in this movie really cool really cool yeah i agree um so luke explains that there's an ancient power underneath the temple in mortis they never really explain what that power is but it says if kylo reaches the temple all we fought for will be lost you have to confront him and kill him and and ray is very hesitant to do that and it you know Kind of has the same logic that Luke had in the in the last episode where she's like, you know, she says specifically balance, dark suffocates the light, light extinguishes the dark over and over again. How is that balance? And that's something that I've always thought too. Like, how was Darth Vader killing Palpatine bringing balance to the force? It didn't make any sense at all, right? It, it, it's a very large plot hole in the first six episodes. Um because there's not that's not balance right that's that's just one side the light side taking over and i think that's kind of how the, the jedi ended up falling overall because they, they didn't have the dark side to keep them in check mm. yeah but let's see here um the next scene we get is kylo ren getting a, a new mask um with a, with a it, apparently it helps him breathe sort of like darth vader you said it was like more Gosh. guttural and different. I actually really like this idea because I think what's funny and also sad and interesting about Kylo Ren is the fact that like I, I hate how like meta it is with the fact like he just wants to be Darth Vader so fucking bad, right? And like the fact of the matter is like no, dude, like you you are no Darth Vader, and so right to have him like I thought that was like why I really love that moment in the Last Jedi when he like or I guess Snoke breaks the helmet, right? And it was just like such a fucking baby move when it was like reforged, but like it had, you know, the red cracks in it and and Rise of Skywalker or whatever. And so the fact that like in seeking power, he destroyed himself the way Vader did, you know? Right. And so I love the fact that like he's not just saying he wants to be Vader, but like, nah, dude, you fucked up just the way Vader did. So you're actually like earning it a bit more. Um, I'm going to move forward here else we're going to have a four hour podcast again, <laughs> but we get the, we get the first scene of Hux trying to use the force, which I think is, is would have been pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and then we get what I, I believe that the, the scene of Ray and Poe having a discussion where she raised like, I'm going to Mortis and Poe's like, no, you're not, not alone, you know? Um, and then I, Ray eventually gives in and, and Poe joins her. But they decide that they're going to do the um, they're going to activate the beacon first. Right. And that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. how that goes. 
and they go to this planet. Let me see where I'm at here. I forget what the planet's called. Do you guys remember what the planet's called? Uh, bo- I do not, bo- but it's bon- the cool one with like the Bonadon or something bo- like that. However you say it. Yeah, it's the one with like the lily pad landing structure, right? Where like the things yeah. float and it's like a, a water friendly place. Right here's the concept art for Bonad- bon- Bonadon. <laughs> Boner Dan? Boner Dan. Yeah, Boner Dan. Um, I feel like the desert planet on the Rise of Skywalker was heavily inspired by this. Uh, this this planet because it seemed like they had a similar vibe going on where like literally there's like a giant party going on in Bonadan, but this is where they they find um what was it an old Jedi temple was that what it was? They go there. I can't remember what exactly they're looking for. No, they're they're going they there. Find. They're looking for his. No, they're looking for Poe's friend who says like that's right. She can find anywhere oh, in the yeah. galaxy. So if you're looking for Mortis, she's the one to take you to. She's force sensitive like you, not like you, but kind of like you. That's right. And, that's right. And so he takes her there. It's like Bova Kiss or something. I want to say, unless that was like the dude who's executed in the beginning of the movie. Hard for me to associate Star Wars names when I don't have a face. Yeah. I apologize. Nomi. Nomi was was her name. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, looking for Nomi to try to figure out a way to get to Mortis because no one can get there. This seems yes. to have been a repurpose from in episode nine, obviously, where we got them going to the planet with Babu Frick and they meet up with Poe's old friend whose name I forgot six times last episode. <laughs> uh, George, you seem to remember her name every time, but the woman wearing the gold mask, uh, uh, Zora, Zori, yeah. Zori Bliss. That seemed yeah. to be a spin on this. Was was w- the way I read it? Yeah, I don't know who Nomi is, but I guarantee she's not as hot as Carrie fucking Russell. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Nomi's described as like a very tiny, almost like a like a like a dwarfish person. It looks like she's literally a child, right? But she's like she's almost like a counselor. It said she was counseling two aliens on the brink of divorce. Yeah, I, <laughs> I assume it's basically like, hey, what if we made Maz Kanata but useful, right? Yeah, <laughs> true, true. Um, so basically, uh, Ray and Poe find this this character, and she has these marbles and and shows Ray where Mortis is, and says that you know she, Ray has to make the journey alone. At the same time, um, Finn and Rose are going to this old Jedi temple. Uh, I can't remember the name, what planet they're on. But they, they, they're, they're they, on Coruscant. Yeah, they're on Was Coruscant. it Coruscant? I thought it was. Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was yeah. Coruscant. Um, yeah. Did so you they, read the script, Seth? <laughs> I did. But I'm trying. I'm trying to like like jump through it here to so we don't have like a massive you know five hour podcast. But um, yeah, they they break into Coruscant to um to activate this beacon at the same time and um i thought this was a pretty cool scene i actually really really liked the um finn and rose story in this and and how they went off on their own and gave finn a much needed character development in this in this movie um it rounds finn's character arc out in a way that did not happen Yes. And what we actually got. And I know we'll get to it. But yeah, the stuff on Coruscant with with Rose and Finn, I I loved. Yes, I agree. Um, And at the same time, that's all happening. Uh, Kylo Ren ends up on Remicor and uh, ends up finding 
this, it, this is remember, it's, it's assumed that it's like this massive desolate planet, a uh, very dark side planet and finds Torvalum. This, this scene in Torvalum teaches him how to like extract the life out of beings. I am not a fan of this scene. The only cool part is, you know, Kylo goes to a force cave and fights Darth Vader ends up getting his ass whooped. Um, but it, it seems like a rehash of Yoda and uh, Luke Skywalker, but it's Tor Valum and Kylo. And we're not really given any backstory on the Tor Valum guy. And well, he just seems Pal- like he's got Palpatine's, thrown in there. Palpatine said it was his, I think he said Lord of his master. Yes. And so it's the guy who instructed Darth Plagueis, right? Yes. And so like, I like the idea that it's, hey, here's like a non-Sith person who knows Sithy things. I think that makes the universe a little bit bigger. Especially like, I understand like the rule of two, I get that. I think the rule of two fucking sucks, man. Like it keeps the universe so small, right? It's like, oh, there's only two bad guys. Well, we know one of them. Other one's probably out there somewhere. We should probably find him. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, what got me excited about the old Republic game trailer is like, oh, that's an army of Sith marching on the Jedi Temple against an army of Jedi. Like, that's sick. Like, sign yeah. sign me up for that shit all day. And so I like the idea that there's this person who's like Sith adjacent but not quite Sith, and he's like, no, nah, dude. Like, I don't care about like your your shitty power ideals. I just want my power. And I like that. And I do like that it parallels the Luke Yoda thing, just to be like, hey, like there. <laughs> there's a valid experience for going to the dark side like hey like there is instruction to be had here there's uh an education for the things you want um but i don't know like why not make a korriban yeah i think um i think it seemed very odd yeah i i agree i think in a real scenario what i and obviously this would have involved a rewrite of episode eight but i think what would have made more sense if this was actually three cohesive movies as they should have been was that this character that they're setting up here is actually Snoke and that, you know, I know initially when episode seven came out, there were people theorizing that it was Darth Plagueis or some, someone connected to Darth Plagueis Snoke. So had he not died in episode eight, I think it would have made a lot of sense for, you know, Snoke to end up being this character, but obviously that's not what we got. So, Right. Um, it just seems odd to me because he shows up for like five minutes. It's like, oh, you know, here, here's Ron Remicor, here's some like a new a new ability, and then Kylo Ren just takes it. And, Kyle's and like, Oh him, yeah, but... you're dead, buddy. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't have told Peace me that. Out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then when that happens, Ray senses it and she's like, We gotta hurry up. Like Kylo Ren's getting more powerful. So um I'm trying to figure out. Then I think the next thing that is in, is interesting that happens is uh, Poe or, or Ray, oh God, Finn and Rose um, activate the beacon, and that alerts the First Order to their location, um, and they they have to start running from the First Order. Uh, Rose ends up getting captured. Finn goes on the run through Coruscant, and um, we're, they're kind of they're, they're they're kind of running three stories at once here at this point. Where um, then Ray and 
Poe and Chewbacca all get in this uh, melee brawl with the Knights of Ren who show up to, to kind of, I guess, kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, what'd you guys think of this scene? Uh, I thought it was cool. Always love seeing uh, like an asymmetrical fight, you know, where it's like, how, how is Poe useful in, right. <laughs> in a situation like this? Right. Um, but I, I like we said, like I think that this scene, especially like the scene that follows the the fight here, like I think this really does illustrate the relationship incredibly well. And I do like yeah. how in- intimate and like self protective they were in the fight. And like that one part where I think Poe gets grazed by like a a blaster, like that's when she fucking loses it, and that's when right. she like taps into the dark side and is able to actually like win the fight. It makes a whole lot more sense than just her getting frustrated because she can't pull the ship down from Kylo. It and, does. And, yeah, and we haven't talked much about the Knights of Ren themselves. I I can't find it. I was trying to look through the script, but there's a point where they describe them like flying around in the, in the Knife Nine, and they have some really interesting descriptions. Like there's one part where they mention, I forget what exactly they say, but like the guys like hooked up with a bunch of wires or something, and just that very that cool. was yeah that was uh, taken and repurposed into the higher public books. There's a character in the Higher Republic books who doesn't need light speed lanes. She can navigate through light speed like she has a, like a force ability almost. And she can just kind of like teleport ships anywhere she wants. But she's constantly hooked up in this like tube system uh, controlling the ship. And I think that's kind of how I think that, that was kind of taken from the script. It, it seems it seems like that to me anyway. Yeah, but um in this in this melee brawl where uh, Ray's fighting these Knights of Ren, this is the first time we see a flashback of these Knights of Ren, um, and she recognizes them and turns angry, gets full of this rage which she doesn't realize is it she doesn't understand where it's from, and just toasts the the leader of the Knights of Ren, just like absolutely just like blasts him. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty pretty cool scene sets up the the overall like twist in her character later which i know austin you had some issues with we'll we'll, we'll get to it um and then ray realizes i think that this is too much of a dangerous mission for poe to go along with uses the jedi mind trick on him uh which is they're they're jedi are actually forbidden from doing this um and she does it she she forces to go back on the ship and leave her and she takes the the knife nine is that what it's called yeah yep the blade nine knife nine uh on on her own but you know poe is like trying to resist her jedi mind trick and she's like constantly she, like, over and over again is like like exerting more and more force trying to force him to get on the ship with chewbacca and i think this is a really cool scene because poe is like like no i i, I don't want to leave you and, and do this and she's like no you you, you have to and like it forces him to do it mm-hmm. um something we haven't really seen jedi do before especially like a main character i think it's it, it's a pretty neat neat scene there uh, this was this was definitely one of the scenes i cried at i thought this was like a really powerful scene just to yeah i agree. show like how far past him she how far she has surpassed him and just like how much they don't want to do this, but how much they have to do this. I thought it was great. Right. Um, And I know I'm skipping through here, guys. Uh, If if I skip over anything you want to talk about, just jump in. Let me know. Um, I did want to mention earlier, because I think we kind of breezed by it when Rose and Finn are on Coruscant. 
there's um just because this is going to be important later on they come across a, a stormtrooper at one point named rk514 is what his, oh, his yeah. call sign is and they basically i forget what exactly happens but essentially they spare this guy's life and they're kind of yep. finn's kind of like i can't remember the exact quote but it's essentially like you don't have to do this type thing where mm-hmm. he explains to the stormtrooper like you don't do you even know who your parents are do you even know where you're from kind of thing and and they just kind of leave after that at that point but i just wanted to bring that up because that is like a really important yeah. point for later it on. is it is important and, and it makes sense for finn's character finally like we get some callback to like his stormtrooper roots and uh he essentially what happens is he stuns him and just kind of like like explains to him like like kind of tries to undo the brainwashing of the first order i guess is, is the way you describe it mm-hmm. but um yeah, super cool. Super cool scene. Finally something for, for Finn. I, th- I think it was really, really neat. Um, and then the next thing that happens, right, is is pretty much the Mortis thing? Pretty much mixed with some of the stuff on Coruscant um, over the, time. But yeah, those are really the big final two set pieces here. The beacon gets lit all the way across the galaxy. Um, and when they activate that so all these all these planets um all these planets just are like all right well it's time to go to war i guess i don't, I don't really i don't know but <laughs> it's better than what we got in the rise of skywalker uh kylo ren has this really interesting flashback with han solo um it says han solo stands in the doorway he looks at his son with sadness and fear says what are you doing what are you doing, Ben? That's not my name anymore. Your mother can't see you here. Not like that. So it's just, it's it's explaining that Kylo Ren showed up to Han Solo's house, all black, not really giving a reason why. Uh, he said they said he's seventeen, maybe seventeen, and he he's angry at Leia for sending him away to Luke Skywalker's Jedi Temple to get trained with, which kind of confusing to me, but I guess I can understand it. Maybe he was a mama's boy. I don't know. Angsty teen. <laughs> yeah. But it says that that scene mimicked the one on episode seven on the bridge where he stabs Han Solo. Oh, that was pretty cool. So Harrison Ford was going to get uh, his spot in this movie either way. He was coming back in episode nine no matter what. Yep. So can't keep a good man down. Not, not one nope. like Harry, <laughs> Harry Ford of all people. Nope. Um, so we get. Uh, Chancellor Chancellor Hux rolls over above Coruscant, or no, not Coruscant. Rolls over above um, the Resistance planet and just decides he's going to start firing down on them. Just starts blasting, uh, and they and they have to retreat, right? Or is it Coruscant? He he fired on. The, can't remember. Fired on Coruscant. Yeah, poor Coruscant man. Can't poor Coruscant. Yeah, yeah, can't get over it. <laughs> Um. So yeah. So so that, then we we get thrust into the, the the final scenes of the movie, and we what we what we get here is Finn becoming the symbol of hope for the resistance and really taking that role on as the uniter and the person that he should have been, which is like no, like like look, if I can turn my destiny around and I, I can stand up, like you guys can too. 
And what ends up happening is they take the fight to the First Order. Um, they use all the new weapons they got from the Star Destroyer, but they're they're all they're up against a losing battle. And it's not until the reinforcements come with, of course, Lando Calrissian, right? Once again, <laughs> yes. that and they, and Lando and Leia have a scene earlier in in the script as well that that she convinces them to help. But um, it's not until the the, the backup comes where they they start to turn things around and at the same time ray and kylo are having this epic duel at, in the throne room of mortis and ray actually loses kylo beats her and and not just beats her but blinds her and leaves her to die bleeding there and then um we get this really cool scene of luke skywalker talking to talking to him and being like no man like you don't understand like like the force and what's that famous quote it's it's from yoda right the force uh binds us or is it is it from no, Qui-Gon it's, Jinn? it's it's obi-wan in episode four it's like it, is it yeah it surrounds us penetrates us binds the galaxy together and essentially what this is is in between these lines that luke is is, is giving to ben we're seeing how he's going to lose ray is i guess i guess her getting um fed these emotions from all the people that she cares about and and seeing all these uh scenes throughout the galaxy and they're all they're all like giving her like the the encouragement to stand up um and she she does and it's like such a cool scene that i pictured in my head the the way they describe it is so good of her standing up and her uh wrist wraps fall down and she puts them around her her eyes and she's now fighting kylo ren blind and i think that is such a cool scene Mm -hmm. it's Um, awesome and i I will say just right before all that happened before she came back to fight him she actually was like full-on dead and was in yeah like the i guess the force itself or something and she was speaking with yoda and obi-wan and luke which that's right that's right she goes to almost she goes to almost a world between worlds type situation And they they give her the option of just like dying or going back and giving. They give her the uh, the extra life. What that happens later? It does. Does it? Yeah. I thought it was when she died. I I thought they were like Leia was like, yeah, Ray's gone. I can feel it, and nobody. Yeah, can but feel this her. is. Oh, you're right. You're she, right. You're right. She she does that. Yeah, you're she right. Does that when you're right. Kylo's, yeah. Yeah. You're That's right. That's later on. Sorry, I'm the yeah. only one here who knows how to read. It's tough for our it's listeners. Okay. I, I, um, I feel like I'm on my back foot here. In, no, in it's okay. No, I, I'm so happy I'm not hosting. This seems fucking awful. But um, no, the scene I think is incredible, right? Because like I'm to draw like a parallel. This is like the the dyad of the Force scene, right? In Rise of yeah. Skywalker, and like I'll be honest, like that that moment like made me really like emotional, right? Because like it, it was just queuing in familiar voices familiar characters and it was just like them supporting this new character right and so like that meant a lot to me it's just like them putting their weight behind it but that's like really emotionally manipulative and it's also like saying hey this character um unless they get like a a a voucher from everyone else like can't stand on their own i choose not to to see it that way but i totally get that read and then this scene is her like earning it right like this is her doing something incredibly badass and original and then like doesn't 
really get the support from the previous two tri trilogies until after she does it. It's not before. Whereas in the movie, it was before she did it. It wasn't after. You, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, does that make mm -hmm. sense? Where? Yep. So just just that small detail of doing it after instead of before, I, I think, is really critical. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, before uh, we get further into the fight, I will say one thing we did bypass not her last name, but we did by bypass the origin of her parents and what happened to her parents. Oh, yeah. No. So it's it's revealed that <laughs> No, that did that did happen earlier, George. I know that Wait, for a fact. Sorry, this or have we talked about like him pulling all the life essence out of her and all that shit? No. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. That's when he says it. <laughs> the last name yeah. was later. But the the whole thing with him or the the Knights of Ren. Oh, sorry, the reveal killing. of that yeah. the reveal yes. that he was there. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. this is actually a problem you had with the script was like the age yes. discrepancy. Yeah, I don't know. Ray, Ray and Kyla. So what and I maybe I misread this, but was was he the one that killed her parents? Was that That's what it sounds like. Or they they at least hunted them down. And what what it, what he said was that Snoke gave them the mission to find anybody that could destroy him. Right, and it took them like not no no time at all to find her, and I'm not okay. really sure what that means. So because it's it's very well established at the end of the last show, there's many force sensitive children. Still, this is, so yeah, this is this from a entire plot standpoint. I guess this is I know I said earlier the Poe thing I had a huge problem with, but thinking about it, this is actually my biggest problem with this script. Is none of this makes sense at all to me. The yeah. the first off. It doesn't, exp maybe I didn't read it properly, I don't know, but it doesn't explain anywhere about, like, Ray's parents knowing Ray is Force-sensitive or anything, Ray being, right. like, this powerful Force-sensitive child. Um, that's not mentioned at all. It is still confirmed that she's, like, kind of a nobody. I mean, that that is continued, which I'm fine with. I don't have an issue with that, which that does come up later on. You are right about that, George. That That is after where they discuss that. But... The age discrepancy, again, uh, ignoring the whole fact of, like, why why would he be searching for her specifically unless she's someone special, which she's not because she's a nobody, quote-unquote. The age discrepancy doesn't make sense at all because I, I don't know how old they are. I don't know if that's ever discussed. But for Kylo to have killed Rey's parents, I mean, I guess it depends on when he killed them. But even if he killed them like 10 years earlier, I mean, he would have hypothetically been like, what, 15 or something? I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be around the scene with him and his father, right? Like it's him explaining why he can't return. I think I think so. Now, I could kind of forgive it. They don't really. Yeah. So there's there's 20 years, right? Is it 20 years between episode six and episode seven? I think so. I think so. So. Let's see how long. Yeah, I don't know. Seven. Maybe I was mis. Maybe I was reading into years. this too far. Okay, thirty. There's, years. there's thirty years. So, so I, I guess there is time. I could buy the fact that Ray was ten and Kylo was seventeen. Yeah, I could see that. You know. So, yeah, but I also think if lines. she's, I think she has to be younger. Otherwise, like I'm struggling to think like why she wouldn't really remember. Like unless it's like. Is it established that it's repressed memories? Because I know she's remembering more and more. But I always thought, like, it just based on the way the character looked in the flashbacks that she was, like, five that's, or four. That's you know? the way I always read it, too. So there's a ten-year discrepancy between 
uh, I just looked up in, in the Force Awakens. So this was canon, but when this movie was written, Ray is nineteen and Kylo is twenty nine. Hmm. Also makes the Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker <laughs> a little creepy. <laughs> But whatever. Yeah, but, <laughs> Ray, yeah, but Poe is also like 30, right? Because wasn't he born like just before, or just after well, the Death Star blows up? None of this matters, Seth, because An- Anakin 32. and Padme, Anakin and Padme <laughs> happened, and like so we can just kind of Well, there was only a five year discrepancy in between them. Uh, yeah, not if you looked them in the fucking face. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, no. I guess to be fair, Anakin was the one with the crush. Padme was just a queen. That's true. With the, political shit the age um, thing but, isn't quite as important to me it's more so just like the whole hunting them down and yeah none of that makes sense literally at all they were hiding me from you snoke made his orders clear find anyone who could destroy him it didn't take us long to find you what is i also think it's, mean? i also think it's important to note we have no idea which version of the script this is that's right? very like true if this is yeah. if this is the first draft if this is the 20th draft we have a publishing date, or at least like a print date of December 16th, 2016, I think is what it said. Yeah, 12, 16, 16. So like it, that was three years before the movie was released in theaters. You assume an 18-month production, right, with four months of shooting where they also do a lot of rewrites on on the set just because it's like, hey, chemistry-wise, this isn't working. How do, how do we fix this? So there's... This is like I'm considering this like the actual like barest bones idea of what yeah. the story was. Yeah. The other thing too One here, thing- you can realize it's early on because it was before Carrie Fisher's passing. There is so much here. Yes. Yeah, she is very with, involved with Leia that just would not have been possible. Well, she yes. was still right. She wouldn't have died for another year, right? Didn't she pass away in 2017? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But I mean, by the time they started shooting the film, oh yeah. I mean, it just it it wouldn't have been feasible. One thing I did skip over here that I think is interesting is that Luke Skywalker becomes more of an uh, an actual like physical being in this. Mm-hmm. Um, as as they as Rey and Kylo are fighting for the first time, Luke it says Luke Skywalker steps into light. A thin blue glow traces his form, and he actually he says the dark side has failed you like it failed my father. His love for his family saved him. I wish it could save you. Um. And at some point later on, yeah, because Luke Luke apparently is like chilling here the whole time. At some point, Kylo swings his lightsaber at Luke, and Luke catches it, which I think yeah. is pretty cool. And it, it explains that like towards the end, the blue glow from um, like the Force Ghost thing actually disappears, and, and it, it's almost more like Luke is actually there, probably because of the actual like latent power of Mortis. Um, but yeah. Uh, Kylo defeats Rey, leaves her to die, and she gets empowered by all the you know the the the, the her friends and 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 the hope that they have, and they have like very like round moment. two, yeah, like round two, like she stands up and like it's on, buddy, you know. Um, but what I think is interesting here is that doesn't he actually beat her once again? I think he does, so doesn't he? Because then he then he, then he Tries to uh, like suck the life out of her. Yeah. Oh, uh, she she completely overpowers him, right? She destroys his lightsaber, and so like he's down on his knees, right by like the well of the living force, or whatever the fuck it's called in this, right? Because like they don't talk about like the pool of knowledge and the fountain of 
life and all that, right? Like, was that the yeah. st- was that the stuff that was in the Clone Wars cartoon, or was that from yeah. Legends, like with Abeloth and Zero? Abeloth was Legends. Uh, the 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 Mortis stuff was Clone Wars. Yeah, but like the Fountain of Life and the Knowledge Pool or what? What? what it doesn't matter. They don't. I don't yeah. think they mention that shit by name here. So they call it like the Fountain of the Living Force or whatever. She beats him straight up in hand to hand combat, right? Like she. His lightsaber breaks, crushing his hand when it like explodes. Yeah, yeah it's just, like cuts off d- his fingers. She's got him down on his knees, and then she reaches out a hand because she's still trying to save him. And then oh, that's when yeah. that's when he starts doing like the life force sucking shit out of her. And then that's like when yeah, everyone everyone's stomach starts to flip across the galaxy, right? Like that's when Leia's freaking out. That's when yeah. Poe and Finn are freaking out. Chewie. Also, back on Coruscant, can we talk about uh, the, the heartbreaking death that happens temporarily? Kind of, sort of. Did we already yeah. talk about that? R2 gets fucking cased. Yeah. While Rose is trying to set up her plan. Um, and like everyone is just feeling it, right? Like they're they're hanging out in the pit. They're they're not loving it. And then I think it's Leia who like reaches out across the galaxy and it's just like the way she says his name, Ben, like gets yeah. him to like stop. And like that was the moment of redemption that he was looking for. And like that ties back into the conversation about like how love saved Vader. And how, like, Luke is so terrified that, like, nothing will be able to save him. But he has, like, that moment of redemption, right? Like, it's like that old man is just like, no, I've lived a horrible life. But as long as I go to confession one time before I die, like, everything's going to be okay. And so he's sucking the life out of her. And then he, like, relents and then, like, hands it back to her, basically. Lets it go back to her. That's when she goes to, like, the ethereal plane. And before he, sorry, before she does that, before he finally passes, his last words were Solana. Like, your name is Ray Solana. Because no one is no one, which was, I thought, a really powerful, simple turn of phrase that they use beautifully in this script. Yeah. Incredible shit. God, the script is really good. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, and I think one thing I think is a, a really powerful quote here is um, when Ray says, our masters were wrong. I will not deny my anger. I will not reject my love. I am the darkness mm-hmm. and I am the light. Uh, and that's when she says, no one is no one. And it's just like, no, she, she has become the balance of the force. Like she's figured it out. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that is really cool. Which just, again, does not retcon episode eight because at the end of episode right. eight, Yoda and Luke are like, maybe it is time for the Jedi to die. And then in episode nine, right. Luke is like, nope, you, you, the Jedi. No, we need him. We need him back. And like, what <laughs> was wrong? So, no, but like, I think this ties in philosophically, though, right? Because like yeah. they always thought the balance was an external thing, and what they failed to realize, and like Leia has this really important conversation with Ray too before she goes off, where she's saying shit like, like she's talking about how like Poe is like in love with her and how like she can see it. She's like, yeah, it's complicated. I've been there. You know, I used to fuck this dude named Han uh, once upon a time. We worked together. It was weird. Um, and she's just like, yeah, but I can't. And she's like, why? Because of some rules, people who died a thousand years before you were ever born, like you're sticking to that. Like that's what's keeping you in check right now. Like go with what you feel, feel good. And so the fact that like, I, I think this movie is su- does such a good job of like revolving back into itself and reinforcing previous ideas while also reinforcing its own ideas and just making really fucking strong arguments for them too. The idea that balance is something, it's like that quote about like, um, was it Miss Marvel who's like good isn't something you are it's something you do right like that's like her yeah. entire like mantra or whatever and so we're like right here like balance isn't something you find it's something you are right and and right. just powerful shit I agree 
If you want I... to be, if you want, like, I'm choosing to like really let the script affect me. Feel free to make fun of me in the comments, but like, I like letting no. art make me feel good. So fuck off. Yeah, fuck off. No, I, I um, I find this this script extremely powerful, and I, I, it, I come away from it being saddened that they scrapped it because yeah. I, I think this may have been like this 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 would have made the whole sequel trilogy worth it, right? Yes. Like people didn't like episode seven because it was too similar to episode four and people didn't like episode eight because it, it threw away all like the mystery and intrigue of episode seven and slapped the fans in the face. And and then, but like this would have made it worth it, I think in the end. And I think, I think it's a really, really nice end piece to, to, to the sequel trilogy. And it would have set it up for, for, you know, a, another sequel because it turns out that, um, Finn and Rose create this like sanctuary um, and they are telling these, it doesn't really say how long, but Poe and Chewbacca go out looking for Rey after this. She's missing. Uh, it's presumed dead, but they, they they chose to believe that she was just missing. And it doesn't say how long, I don't think, that they're they're gone, but it's, it's long enough that um, Finn and Rose create this sanctuary for these kids that and tell them the story of of what happened, and then eventually Ray returns. One thing I did think is weird is that um, the kids run up and hug her immediately, because you know. I don't think is. that's I okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on a couple things. One, you you skipped over like one of the most beautiful lines in the entire. I'm sorry. Uh, all good. Sorry, I'm looking for it. Uh, where is it? Um, well, I can't find it. This is a 126 page script. But when they're talking <laughs> about like, um, like how do you know she's out there? And they're just like, I don't, I can't, like I can't feel her. And then everyone talks about like the surprising calm that they're experiencing, and they're like, that's her. I thought that shit was oh. really fucking good, really tender. And they've just been telling stories about her this entire time, right? Like right. this is like a character that like. I, I feel like they've basically imprinted onto these children as like kind of like the savior, like the one who can teach them. Like they basically, yeah, you said it, but it's basically like a fucking Xavier school for gifted youngsters, right? Like right. it's just like all the people who don't fit into like the existing paradigms. Fucking beautiful, man. Like the symmetry in this movie. Also, Rose. Wait, did we talk about uh, Hux killing himself already? No, I wanted to bring that no, up. No, we forgot. To, we okay, forgot to talk fucking about that. Hux kills himself with a purple lightsaber. That's that's Mace Windu's, right? Has to be. Maybe that's assumed. They're on Coruscant, be, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so they they have their capital their capital building that like they're trying to break into. And that's when R two dies when he was supposed to you know get the shit across like the finish line and like scomp in to redirect the the shit because they find out the building is actually like a a capital ship that has like a hyperdrive, right? And so they know that they're just going to escape. And Rose is like, no, we got to fucking end this now. She was being tortured. She escapes because she's incredible in this movie. Is super competent, super badass, super just yes. loves getting shit done. Character and redeeming. Then, yeah. And then BB-8 takes on R2's memory banks because like we've discovered that he just has every stored navigational code ever, basically, and just like ship certification, all this shit. And so he... They put the memory into BB-8, who traipses across the battlefield with absolute hell after fucking Chewbacca, Top Gun Mavericks, his way down to the planet's yes. surface, icing everyone along the way. He gets in. The ship manages to take off. And then it's one of Austin's favorite lines from the script where Hux realizes, like, he realizes too late, he has lost the Star Wars in the script. <laughs> so good. Really the line good is excellent. <laughs> 
Excellent. And then the ship, and it would never be in the movie. It's just for the people who read the script, which is yeah. like even more incredible. And so this thing starts to take off, and Rose is just like, yeah, I couldn't actually figure out how to shut it down, so I just uh, redirected it. And then it just like fucking it takes off in hyperdrive just explodes across the galaxy and i wonder if that was where they got the idea for like the the high republic shit right like that's exactly what i was in thinking a, in hyperdrive but it's like a light that they can see for light years across the galaxy and like that becomes a symbol of hope even though people who don't know what the fuck it is god i love this script Dude. i might read it again it's so good i reread this part so many times because i'm just sitting there and like i can just visualize it i can hear it like just seeing this like ship go and and smack into the side of a planet like the boom like i could just i could see it in my yeah. head and i wish that it happened on screen it's such a cool yeah. moment and like you said Seth character redeeming for rose because i mean they basically shut her down in in the real episode 9 after yes. she had a relatively prominent role in 8 and i i i liked her her more um along with Finn her more involved role <laughs> in this respectfully all she did in the rise of skywalker is she like fucking put her hair up yeah right like that was like the only thing she did and she like shows up and just says like why things can't be done and i know she was like on the uh the star destroyer assault but like no man she's like an actual card carrying member of the resistance in this like she yeah. is she is responsible for shit getting done it isn't just like fucking scene decoration it's so good and that's what that's what I love about this script is that there's there's a lot of grittiness to it, right? Like like Rose is in the trenches in this one. She's not just like like you know Finn's like weird love interest and and I don't know, like I I really liked Rose in this uh, script and I thought that um Finn's whole arc of turning his turning his experience around and there's there's another great scene we didn't talk about where um that trooper that he rescued or that the first order trooper that he rescued and spared he he converts a whole other squadron that helps them out in the final battle and he said his name what was he what did he say his name was i, I can't remember right yeah and i was like god that is that is such a great scene for finn i don't know man i i can't make heads of why they changed this and why they scrapped this script because it is it is phenomenal. The, the, this is this is the, the yeah. best Star Wars has been. Like, and it's weird because you can see, obviously, as we've discussed, bits and pieces of it were jumbled around and repurposed, and what ended up being nine. I mean, a good example there is at the end. We're just talking about those stormtroopers. They show up in nine. I mean, you've got those stormtroopers that that show up on the planet uh, or or that moon rather near Endor, where the um, the Death Star wreckage is, but. Mm -hmm they don't tie it into Finn at all. It's just kind of like, yeah, we're here. Yeah, we turn. Right. You had nothing to do with it. We're just here. And right. it's sad to me that like something as powerful as that couldn't have at least been used. I mean, I don't know what the purpose was for at least emptying that out of the, 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 the script that we got. It doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't know who made that decision. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a shame. Colin Trevorrow wrote the best Star Wars movie, and it never got to, never got he to wrote, be made. Wrote it with Derek Connolly, who is yes. like his writing partner. Like yes. he wrote all the Jurassic movies. He wrote Safety Not Guaranteed. Yes, yes, and Derek Connolly. Sorry, no, dis <laughs> no disrespect. 
Well, no, it's just like we don't do it like on video games. We're never like, oh, man, thank God. Like, you know, yeah. thank God the uh, environment director so and so was there just because there's too many people to make video games. But just for a right. short box summary, I'm like, yeah, I don't want anyone to feel left out. That's why I list like the letter and the yeah. anchor and stuff. I'm like, yeah, right. your name's on the right. book. They deserve it. Um, I was just going to say, and you guys may have more of an opinion on this because I have not been watching Ahsoka. Because I haven't seen Rebels yet, but. I felt like the stuff with Mortis, obviously having watched the the Mortis arc in Clone Wars and seeing where Rey's character goes in this movie, it is very reminiscent of Ahsoka's character arc in Clone Wars. Yes. Which is really interesting to me. You can tell that like Colin Trevorrow and uh, Derek Connolly really respect the Clone Wars based off of the script, which is excellent. Dude, um, like, yeah, you're gonna like us. You should, you should, you should catch up and watch Ahsoka. I know, I yeah, need you, to. You're gonna really Ahsoka. You're gonna be into it. But it's it. I know it's not gonna happen. I know it's super shitty. It'd be it'd be a terrible thing for for Disney to do. But reading this makes me wish that they used the world between worlds to like just give us a glimpse of like a blindfolded Ray or something. You know, like, damn, so that would be show, so show, awesome. Show us a potential future that uh just as like a wink and a nod i totally get that one thing i kind of hold out hope for sorry we've like reached like the end of the script talk right yeah yeah i think so years later like when dark horse still had the license for star wars comics they released a comic called the star wars the force of the wills and it was like based off the original script that george lucas wrote now it wasn't wasn't awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that movie got like a couple more revisions and a couple more drafts under its belt before we saw it. But I think that's really interesting. I think that's like exactly the kind of shit comics should live for, you know? Um, yeah. I think this would be an insanely cool 12 issue maxi series. Maybe even eight. Like, I don't know. Feels a little bigger than like a six issue, but 12 might be stretching it too much. But I think it would be incredibly, incredibly cool just to visualize this a little bit more, like see the way they describe Mortis, to see like the the scars. There's like that one scene where they're talking about, um, was it Hitoski? Like the like there was lightning flashing, right? And like that's when like someone's face lit up for the first time. And so it didn't talk about the horror that was their face. I assume it was like heavily mechanical, mechanicalized, and looks like Trapjaw or something from from He Man. But uh, man, I would just like love to see a a more visual interpretation of this, just because, like Seth, I'm so glad you asked us to read this, man. I thought this was awesome. Yeah, I think yeah, I think this is a really nice end cap to the the sequel trilogy conversation, and uh, oh, and um, I really enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, I, I've been enjoying these Star Wars conversations with you guys, and is this was this was definitely worth it because, and in, in, in like I said, I, I walk away from this saddened that this movie never got made and it was not it was not their fault it was no. some weird mandate from from way above them because they wrote a phenomenal story and i have no idea what kind of crack they were smoking when when they <laughs> rewrote episode well, nine and it's sad because like had george has described it the episode nine we got feels like a fever dream i think i started the start of last episode stating and i I would stand by this that it feels like it was written by a chat GPT or an AI. Yeah. And this script sadly feels like the movie we should have got. I mean, it really yes. feels like it concludes the entire saga. I mean, it concludes the sequel trilogy and it's just frustrating knowing that this is there and we got something so 
um, just all over the place by comparison. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I'm glad that it, it leaked. Uh, I'm sure there would have been a few edits had this actually happened. I mean, I'm sure there would have been changes. And I will say this, too, because I think you may have touched on it earlier, Seth, when you were describing the way Ray looks. But mm -hmm. part of the leaks were also a, just a ton of concept art that Colin Trevorrow confirmed was real. He did come out and say, like, this was all real stuff. Right. And there's just some excellent, excellent concepts out there that you can look up and find from, again, the original title was Duel of the Fates for this script, at least. Um, that's got yeah, some so really cool stuff. Him saying that, like like me and Gosson had said before or, or before the, the podcast, him saying that pretty much confirms that this was the real script because the concept art was so specific that there's no way it would have been a coincidence. Um to the point where like, you know, we see like Remicor and Kylo Ren sucking the life force out of a tree, right? Stuff yeah. that never even existed before before the script. Sure. So um so yeah, man. Um it, it's a shame now. Now, George, we, me and Austin were talking. We have like this weird sensation while reading this script. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but like, it feels weird to read this script knowing this was the original vision of Episode Nine, and it feels like this is more of the real Episode Nine than the one we got. I I don't agree with that i think this is just the one we wanted i do think it's like a grass is greener situation right because yeah. like we we know what we got like it's like when you start someone in fantasy and they put up seven points and there's someone on your bench who like hasn't played but you're like yeah but they could have gotten me more than seven points like i wish mm -hmm. i had swapped them in. you know it's just like living with that feeling constantly i do think it's tough just because i think we talked about this on a previous episode too about star wars where it's like I don't think any of the shit that happens outside of the movies really matters. I gotta be honest. Like, I think it matters for fans, but, like, in terms of, like, cultural impact, like, it might as well have not happened. So that's why, like, everything that's happening on Ahsoka right now, I know how I feel about it, having seen majority of the Clone Wars and all of Rebels. I'm like, okay, like, this is really cool to me. But I'm sure there's 80% of people who haven't seen that are just like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like, what what is this? And, like, might, might have think it's a bridge too far. And there's some stuff here where I can totally see people saying it's a bridge too far. And in Rise of Skywalker, there was certainly a lot of stuff that people were like, well, that's a bridge too far. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's tough. I totally get that, though. But I also don't want to be one of those. And, like, I don't think you guys are being this way, so please don't take this as an insult. I don't want to be one of those dudes who's just, like, Man, what fucking could have been, you know? Like, I, I just, I, like, I don't, I don't want to be that person who's just latching onto that for years and like resenting Disney for making a different movie that also made one and a half billion dollars and sold shit tons of toys. Like, you know, like it was right. just like it just that movie. I think this is it. I think because this is a script and because it's unproduced, I think that movie just feels way more cynical and cash grabby than this version does. Yeah, right. Like this one feels slightly more because it connects to the other trilogies, I think, in a better way. Despite Rise of Skywalker connecting in a very direct way <laughs> to the previous trilogies. Um, that one just feels gimmicky and lazy, and this one feels smarter. So I think, like, I agree that I like this one more, but I'm not going to be, like, pouting. Again, not that I think either of you two well, are doing that. And it is a good point, though, because it's like, at the end of the day, this is just a script. I mean, had this actually been made... 
we're we're speaking entirely based off what we read, but in reality, like, would this have actually been better than Rise of the Rise of Skywalker? I mean, we'll never know, but mm-hmm. it it is an interesting thought experiment. I don't know how you can get much worse. So I think it's pretty objective to say. I mean, like you could, but from a plot standpoint, it, I'd agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think that about wraps it up. Do you guys have any uh, any closing thoughts on anything or anything you want to get off your chest? I want more people to read this. I want uh, if, if you're listening and you're curious, it's extremely not hard to find this on, on the internet. No, it's it's not, not um, at all. So I, rec- I recommend checking it out. I was able to share it to my iPad. I just read it like I was reading so, a book. On my, it, was, it was awesome. Um, check it out. Read more scripts, too. Scripts are really fun. If you have like a favorite movie, I guarantee you that script is available online. So just just check out the script just to see like how do you get from here to here because like i've read other scripts where i'm like wow the the director really fucking saved this movie right because there's like nothing <laughs> it's like a barren script and you're like thank god for david fincher having such a singular unique vision that uh that really carried this project not that he doesn't have good writers but it's just like it's so hard to like look at a piece of paper and like imagine the movies we've gotten from it so i think this is a really fun exercise I, I want to do more shit like this. Like, no offense to video games. There's a big Nintendo Direct tomorrow and a PlayStation Live event, whatever. We'll talk about video games soon. I think Austin's going to London soon, right? Yeah, in like a month. Yeah, you excited? Very excited. Very excited. I think I think the week you're gone, Ahsoka will have wrapped up. So Seth and I might jump on and do like an Ahsoka yeah. season recap. Um, if if you're into that, Seth. Dude, Ahsoka's, Ahsoka's getting crazy. I haven't I'm, seen this I'm, I'm, down, I'm, I'm down for that. Hoping it's my good. girlfriend is still awake so I, we can go watch it with her. Yeah, it's real good. So, Sweet. all right. Well, awesome. Any closing thoughts? Um, the only thing I would say is, God, I wish we had gotten Dual Blade Ray because, yep, what a freaking cool thought experiment that is of of having a hero character with a dual dual blade lightsaber. That detaches. That was something we didn't, we didn't talk about. Her uh, yes. lightsaber detaches from each other, so that's pretty cool. Yes. Um, very but, uh, Cal Kestis. Yeah, very Cal Kestis. Maybe, maybe we will get it in the Ray Skywalker movie if it's not canceled. Which, you know, <laughs> fingers crossed. I think I think that would be a a good, a good movie. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure to be in your ear holes tonight. Thank you for joining us. You can find Frame Skip pretty much everywhere that you would normally look up uh, podcasts, Podbeam, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and YouTube. If you could please leave us a review, I'd really appreciate it. I will personally send you $4,000 for every review. That's a joke. I will not be doing that. <laughs> You can uh, write us at frameskippodcast at gmail.com or at frameskippod on Twitter and Instagram. I'm one of your hosts, Seth, at the 90s kid on Twitter. Uh, George is at shortbox summary, correct, George? Correct. Okay, I wasn't sure. Uh, I, th- I, was, I was pretty sure you switched from Purple Bird 616. I and did. Austin. Yeah. And Austin is at Austin Jeller. That's right. I was pretty sure you switched to Purple Bird 616, but I wasn't positive. Coach, he's he's not here. We don't acknowledge him. Who is Coach? That's the question. Coach is in Texas. 
So go find him there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> keep, keep, keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> you <know>? Just look <laughs> for Mr. Clean. All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> until next time. Thank you for being part of the Framescape podcast, Star Wars Episode 9, Duel of the Fates, retrospective. Goodbye. Good night. Love you.